Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett and I have amazing news for you. If you are a regular listener of our podcast, you know that our pastor is Hannah and she's the coolest. And if this is your first time listening, you now know that our pastor is Hannah and she's the coolest and she is no longer pregnant because on December 11th, baby Nova was born and her and mommy and dad are doing amazing. So we are so happy for the whole family. We're so happy that our church has grown by one member. (laughs) Uh, You know, we'll take what we can get in these pandemic times. So I just wanted to start off the podcast by just giving great news. Uh, There you go. So this is the service from earlier today. I'm recording this late on a Sunday night, and obviously Hannah wasn't there. We've got really good guest speakers lined up for the rest of the month, and today we are listening to the great James Jamie Adair. (laughs) He is the coolest guy ever. Um, If you know him, you love him. I've known him for more than 20 years. He was actually my youth leader. And I blame him in a lot of ways for the person I am today. <laughs> Hopefully in mostly, you know, good aspects, but some bad too, as you'll see when he starts speaking and actually drops a cuss word. Uh, I don't think it's happened yet from the uh, stage during a message. <laughs> Not that, you know, I mean, it's okay. No big deal. But he's the first to do it. <laughs> so you'll have to listen for that. He's a, a loose cannon. Uh, shoots from the hip and all sorts of other cliches. Ooh, I just got a text message. I should probably mute my phone, huh? Um, so anyway, uh, Jamie is going to talk about having an open heart, which is something that's really hard to do here at the end of 2020 because it's been a year, right guys? It has been a year. Um, so if you are local to Tampa or St. Pete, This coming Sunday, the 20th, is going to be our Christmas extravaganza. We would love for you to come join us. Uh, We've got some cool stuff planned. We've got guest speakers for the next couple weeks on, I believe it's January 4th, the first Sunday of the year. Uh, A couple of our own are actually going to be performing a magic show. How cool is that? We haven't announced that yet. This is the first time anyone is hearing about it. And I just, I can't believe it. We're going to have magic at church in the new year just to kind of celebrate 2020 being over. Okay, I think that's all the announcements and pre-show stuff I have for you. Thank you so much, as always, for listening to what we do. It means the world. It really means so much. You're amazing. Speaking of amazing, here is Jamie Adair, someone I'm proud to have on our stage and someone who I have a lot of history with. And now that you know that Haas and I have a very long history, you're probably a little afraid. So, I promise this should be remotely entertaining for me. Here we go. Uh, We're gonna do a few exercises. Um, Most of what I'm gonna talk about is what I learned over 2020. Uh, This isn't necessarily a year in review, but it's a lot of my internal discoveries uh, that I went through. Uh, One post I put on Facebook said, um, what is it that you would tell somebody in another country about how America is doing in 2020? Of course, you can imagine it went bananas. Uh, But the best line I got was, um, it's having growing pains. I thought, you know, that's a really good way to say it. And the person who said it 
has got a lot of really other terrible things to say, but that was the one smart thing this guy said. I thought, man, you're on point, so I used that. Um, but I wanna experience something with you. We're gonna go through a little journey here. Um, I've picked, ooh, I gotta put this on my ear. Man, I'm an amateur. Here we go. Uh, is that better? Can you hear me? All right, I got my Brittany mic. All right, we're gonna go through a couple of pictures. And I want you to feel the feeling when the picture comes up. If you feel open or warm by the picture, you're gonna give me a thumbs up. If you're like, ooh, no, bad, it makes you closed. It's a thumbs down, pretty simple game. All right, here we go. First picture is kittens. Yeah, pretty good, right? All right, next picture. It's a corky, I think. There's a TikTok about this dog, all right? Next. All right, okay, cool, cool, old Fauci. You know, I'm gonna, hold on, go back to that. I gotta give him a new name, it's Lord Farquaad. Okay, okay, civil rights. That movement, how the reactions were, not so great. All right, next, ah, oh, beach. It's pretty good, right? You can socially distance there with the dolphins. All right, next, ooh, mm, yeah. Okay. Whew. So this was the debate. So let me be very specific. This is a picture of the debate part, right? How'd that one make you feel? All right, awesome. All right, next. Who wouldn't love to put their teeth on that? All right. That started it all this year. Remember this? Remember this? Nobody loves it or nobody hates it. What's it do for you? Nothing? Nothing? Doesn't do anything for you? Okay. All right, fine, that's okay. We all didn't have the joy, but it's fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> so this, this little experiment allows you to um, see what it's like inside to measure your feelings about a thing, right? And we all respond out of our feelings, whether we like to or not. Sometimes we internalize it and we do things inside and we tear ourselves up or we lash out. There's just different ways that we experience this open and closed attitude, all right? So um, in 2020, we had all these different crazy experiences. I used to do a thing called Jamie Daily, and I'm probably gonna get back to it. It's basically a three to five minute uh, daily message about something that I was working through, usually a transparent thing, right? And it would, I'd have my little phone out and I would do my little deal. Well, as, as the COVID started hitting and, and all the different anxiety levels of uh, different parts of our population started going, I, said, I didn't really have anything good to offer. I'm, I'm not gonna get out there and say something that doesn't have redeeming value and I haven't wrestled through myself. So I kind of stopped doing that ritual. And it was tough because every, every morning I was still up, I was still doing the work, but I didn't have anything to present. Then George Floyd came along and uh, that eight minutes that film, that one moment finally seared for me that there was a time that I had to speak up. I had to do a thing. I had to finally say something. Uh, many people who've known me a very long time uh, know that I've, I have plenty of uh, um, deep convictions about uh, things like rec racial reconciliation. It was a big deal for me. But when you get into business, you don't want to piss anybody off, you want to make money, etc. You let some of that stuff sit by the wayside, right? You don't try and start fights because it's not good for business. Well, <clears throat> When George happened, I said, you know what? I can't wait for a, a more perfect black man to die to then speak up. Because the narrative always starts with these stories that, well, gosh, he must have done something, right? There's always this thing that builds up. And then I kept waiting for like that one good guy. And St. Pete, by the way, actually, uh, Bra uh, Bradington had this all-star college kid that died while with his mentor in a truck because he was lurching, right? But here's, here's the thing. 
I missed it. I missed the opportunity to speak up. But finally, George happened. And I thought, you know what? If I'm going to say something, like now is the time, right? So I decided that I, I should talk about it. And then at, the same, at that same moment, I thought, okay, if I'm going to come out about this, because this is going to be a big deal. People are going to lose their mind. Um, why don't you also talk about your support of Christian gay marriage? And you know, these have been thoughts that have been going around in my head for a very long time. And, and quite frankly, as I got ready to post this video, um, I knew that possibly it could cost me my ordination, it could cost me clients, it could cost me uh, family, friends, this sort of thing. Um, but I just said, you know what? I can't hold these things in anymore. The, the work that's done inside of me is too valuable uh, to keep to myself. So I got my red phone out. Red phones are very important. And I, I've had the, I, I just basically shot the video. I made the call. And uh, this, is a, this is a picture of me doing a video that I felt like was going to be the beginning of the end. Um, I thought I was going to get just beat up on Facebook, etc. But what it did is it changed the algorithm. And all of a sudden, I had a whole new set of friends, and everybody I once knew never talked to me anymore. And it was a blessing. Um, not, be, not, not because they didn't agree with me. They were doing this. Let's see what happens. Because there's so many people that look like me that, that want to learn and grow, but they don't want to go through the, the public humiliation of trying to figure it out. So that's what this red phone thing was. Now, um, th this whole year has been blame, shame, anger everywhere. News, social media, all of it, right? And I wanted to dive in to topics that were happening this year that, that could help me really gain awareness, understanding, like, how, how can I be better on the other side of this? Because business wasn't going to get any better, but how was the rest of me going to get better? How's my family going to get better? So that's what I did. I drove, dove in heavy, all right? So um, I decided I wanted to live an open-hearted life, and here's a few characteristics of what that looks like. First, being transparent. Two, courageously accept being vulnerable. That is so hard, by the way. Uh, being open to being wrong and growing. That happened to me today again. Um, and then being open to the valid experiences of others. So when COVID started happening, I knew nobody that had it, so therefore it must not be real. And then all of a sudden, oh, lots of people have it. Therefore, it's real, right? A lot of people go through these experiences until you see it yourself, you don't believe it. Well, that was part of being open for this year. Now, the red phone. I know you're dying to know. You're just like, one, for some of you younger ones, there used to be cords. They attached into walls. Um, but this one came about because I needed an external microphone for my camera because the stupid phone had a dead mic and it wasn't working, so I needed one. I said, oh, red phone, that's pretty good. Plus, anybody who has anything important to say has a red phone, right? True? Not true. Okay. So um, the first few videos, this was plugged in and it was used. Then the, <laughs> the microphone started working again, so it was like this. <laughs> I've got dozens of these videos out, and the phone's there, and you just can't see it's attached. So you guys know that secret, and whoever's watching on Facebook, that it's not attached. Um, now, here's the deal. Um, what did I do with this, and who did I talk to? Uh, you guys are celebrities today, because Raina is here, and she was one of my phone calls. What's very fun about her, and why she made it to my little show, is because she is uh, very open, very honest, very transparent. She can deal with very complex topics on very different levels, interpersonally, like what she walks through, but then also stuff like public policy. And so having people that you know that you can have trusting conversations with was so valuable. So she gets to be here. Other people that I talked to on these phone calls were my... <laughs> by the way. Never say this in public. I got a black friend. That's very not cool anymore. But it was my first black friend in high school who introduced me to the Holy Spirit. I brought him on. We hadn't talked in 20 years. This gave me a chance to have that. And then I just saw him over Thanksgiving, so it was very cool. Um, I had a cop from high school we talked to, a judge candidate, a black Christian a business owner, state representative, former military guy that I used to roll with in jiu-jitsu. I had a Venezuelan on. 
uh, who we talked about socialism with, a Pulitzer Prize uh, nominee journalist who's now retired, which means he could spill the beans. And then uh, I had an illegal immigrant protest organizer. How was that? That was bananas. You're just sitting there going, you know you're saying this live, right? Like people are hearing this, they can just kick you out. I'm good, okay. So all of these different people um, added very different textures to the conversation that I could then learn more about what their world is and what they're experiencing. Didn't mean that you just go, oh yeah, everything you're saying is spot on. You know, just because it was very anti-cop this year didn't mean that everything that she had to say was right. Did not, didn't mean that everything was wrong. Um, I also went to six different countries through Zoom Rotary. So I got to see what it was like for COVID and this world, um, really South Africa, uh, England, um, a whole bunch of them. It, it, just, it, it was bananas to see how everybody reacts to this thing differently. Um, I wanna tell you two stories, and then we'll get on with the, the meat and potatoes here, of what I learned from these phone calls. Um, I learned that many of the same issues that uh, my, my black audience had with being targeted, never being trusted, being chased, um, uh, all of the things that you'll probably see that come through the social media feeds, that same experience was almost identical to the cop's experience. I thought, what do you mean? They feel like they're being targeted. They feel like their stories are not believed, that nobody trusts them. They trust nobody. Um, there is no sense of um, uh, innocent until proven guilty for a cop, right? I'm like, holy crap. Do you I'm talking to her and I said, you realize that like, all the black people I just talked to are having the same thing you're saying? Like, you guys are saying the same thing from the opposite direction. I would have never thought that before. I would have just seen the world as a binary, good, evil, right, wrong, that's it. It was shocking to me to hear how similar things were and that the divide is far less uh, different on a human level than we want to give it credit for. Second one, um, the media. I, I don't know if anybody likes media or hates media. You guys have the only newspaper left in town. Um, people call it rag, people call it this, that. But at the end of the day, um, Journalism provides us what we buy. What? So wait a minute. The people who write this stuff write it for people who are going to read it, and they just write more of what we want. So at that point, it's no longer the media that's the devil. It's the devil inside of me. It's this thing inside of me that craves these sorts of answers. And what I also found out is right or left side of the aisle, people still felt like the media never treated them fair. Didn't matter what the story was. There's always a narrative. Oh, well, they only get the juicy stuff. They get the juicy stuff because that sells the paper. Oh, it's not rocket science. But when you hear it from the mouth, you go, that makes sense. So those are my two big stories. Now let's get into this open-hearted um, living, right? First off, you know, what holds us back from being open-hearted? What, what, what holds us uh, in a closed place, especially in a society that's so torn right now? First is proving we got to prove that we've arrived, we're the man, we got a watch, we fancy car, all that stuff. Um, but it's really this desire to keep a preferred worldview all put together in one box. Insecurity, right? It masquerades as fear, right? And when it's written on a paper, it says, oh, resident fears that they'll be evicted, right? Fear, fears everywhere. Um, there's distractions. I mean, how many wine memes have we seen, right? And then the other thing is endless questions. I don't know if you've seen this yet, but like, what about, what about, what about, what about? How many freaking whatabouts do you need to get answered before you believe, right? You seen this? I mean, this happens in faith all the time. Well, what about the trying children and why is God so this or that? You're not really looking for an answer. You're just looking for a way to get out of it with your insecurity intact, all right? Uh, shame, oh my gosh. I am like, um, some people have trigger words. Shame is my trigger word. When somebody says, shame on them, ooh, 
Really? How's that working out for you? Shame never really fixes anything. You ever notice that? Your parents shame you. They, they put soap in your mouth, things like that. Like that shaming thing, it doesn't, it's not a good function of how to have uh, human behavior change. It just doesn't work. Why do you think the Christian message works? It gets rid of shame through forgiveness. I mean, gosh, he figured it out so long ago, but yet we still keep using it. But shame is big. Go to your feed, go to your page, and search the word shame. See how many times it comes up. It'll blow your mind. Um, tribalism. Oh my gosh. It wasn't just right or left this year, the sense of I'm with all of these people. And then I know it's very easy to look at people who wear a certain hat and say, oh, see, those are the people. They have their own little tribe over there, right? But if we're honest, we might have our own little tribe who feels a certain way about things. The problem with it is that you get so narrow that you can't see another perspective, all right? Um, Envy and uh, scarcity. Oh, man. Who's getting that vaccine first, right? Like, there's only a certain amount of doses around. And then there's the other group that says, well, uh, I don't trust it, <laughs> right? So we have this weird cycle where we can't get anywhere because we don't have enough of something, toilet paper for some reason. Why? Toilet paper? We're doing that again, by the way. Did you know this? Why? I did. Hey, anybody have it? I'm looking for an answer. Um, there was actually a supply issue, but anyway. Um, okay, here we go. I want to compare and contrast two stories. Good things happen, God shows up, and you can have two totally different reactions. Make sense? Like, some of us have probably said, oh, well, if I saw Jesus' miracles, I surely would believe, right? Or if he was here, I would believe, right? These sort of things, we, we have this in the back of our head. But here's two examples. First, we're going to go to uh, Matthew 11. 11? Oh, look at that. Oh, you guys, can you see that? That's good. Cool. Way better than I thought I was going to go. All right, here we go. So truly, I tell you, among those whom uh, are born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence. And violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets of the law prophesied until John. That was a few years before this is written. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who has to come. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Whenever you see that in the Bible, ears to hear, let him hear. That means open heart. It's like Bible language for open heart, okay? Um, to what can I compare this? So put yourself in like 2020, but in biblical days, and you go, so what is it like today? Here it is. What can I compare this to this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces, calling out to others. We played the pipe. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge. I'm not sure what that is. Um, and you did not mourn. This one little passage um, was a little confusing until I realized it's basically Jesus saying, we gave you the good and we gave you the bad and you did nothing with it, okay? For John came neither eating nor drinking and they said, he's a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved that we were right, John the Baptist and Jesus. And this is the part that freaks you out. Here you go, you ready? Then Jesus began to denounce the towns uh, in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, and I think this is Corazon, but it looks like chorizo to me because I'm hungry. All right, woe to you, uh, Bethesda, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre or Sidon, then you would have repented long ago with sackcloth and ashes. So even here, Jesus is recognizing that you guys are so hard of heart, it doesn't matter what I do, you still aren't gonna believe. And that's that closing off of, I don't care what it is you say, I'm not open to it at all, right? But I tell you, uh, it'll be more bearable for uh, uh, Tyre and Sidon if uh, on the day of judgment. So essentially, he's getting at this idea that there's two different towns, two different stories. 
Um, and here's what I take away from this whole thing, is that um, no matter what we present, I'm sorry, no matter what is presented to us, if we're not open, it ain't gonna get in. And this is not theologically sound. <laughs> However, it might be. No matter how powerful God is, you can be closed off and never hear him. Think about that. God's only limitation is your own heart. All right. Don't fact check that one, Anna. All right. Um, also, just look on Facebook. I mean, that's my main medium because most conversations happen there. Instagram is just a bunch of buttons of likes. Um, but look about how people talk and look how they interact with each other. Are they really trying to gain understanding or are they closed off? All right. Here's this other story about the Ethiopian. And we're, because the band came in, I know I'm running low on time, so I'm going to zippity through some of these passages here. But we're going to go to this Ethiopian uh, eunuch. All right. And this, there was an Yep. All right, cool. Uh, and now an angel of the Lord came and said to Philip, go south. He gave all these specific directions to get there. Um, go south to that road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he went on his way and he met this Ethiopian eunuch. If you don't know what that means, you know, an important official in charge of all the treasury for this queen. Okay. Very important. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So he had some believing to him, even though he might not have been of the Hebrew faith. And on his way home, he was sitting in a chariot. He's got some money reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. So he can read. He's intelligent. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And I imagine that he's sort of running, I guess, you know, and then Philip ran to his chariot. He heard the man reading this Isaiah, Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? I guess it's a lead-in, right? He says, well, how can I, he said, unless somebody explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This passage of scripture is what he was reading. This is, I'm gonna blow your mind here in a second, I hope. Um, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? for his life was taken from the earth. That passage right there, almost every Christian who's studying this particular version is going to say, that's Jesus. And I believe it's Jesus. However, if you have a very open-hearted conversation, there's a lot of my Jewish friends that say, that is Israel during the Holocaust. Read that passage one more time. Think about it. Led to slaughter, silent, deprived of justice. And where are those descendants? So often we can be targeted into one belief that this passage must mean Jesus. And the moment I heard, oh, wait a minute, that does sound a lot like Israel. Oh, how much richer is that passage now? Because we can be open to it. All right. Um, for the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began uh, with the very passage of scripture and he told him the good news about Jesus. And he traveled along the road and he came to some water. Basically, the guy says, what holds me back from getting baptized? All right, so here's my takeaways from this little piece. One, you have a guy that's already looking, already searching, deciding that he wants to have more inside. He, he wants to have this growth. Two, he's willing to hear other people. Like there's other sources out there of wisdom that he's willing to get. Three, he's educated and still open. I mean, how often do you see people that seem smart and they have no input into the, like they can't hear other people, but yet they're the smartest person in the room. Make sense? Um, and he also acted immediately. A lot of times we have a thing that happens and we know we need to do something and we hold off, right? It's like, oh, how about me? How many more black guys had to die before I'd say something? Ah, you know, another one, right? No, now's the time. Now is the moment. 
Now is the time. All right, here we go. How can an open-heartedness change the world? Is this just me with a goofy red prop? Or like, can you really change the world? Can things really change? I want to point you back to a story of like literally without this story, none of us would be here. Um, perfect. Uh, all right, so the next day, Peter started out with them. Okay, so Peter is already a, a Jew, Christian convert, leading the church. And now he's going to this guy Cornelius' house, who is not necessarily in the same believing community. All right? Um, the next day, Peter started out with him. And on some of the believers, he went to uh, Joppa, went along, which, by the way, sounds like a Star Wars character to me. Um, the following day arrived uh, in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, at, uh, and he called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up and says, whoa, 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 I'm just a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering. And he said to them, you all are aware that it's against the law for us all to be meeting and associating like with Gentiles, us together. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. We've said that a lot this year, haven't we? Those racist people, right? Or those people, them, they, those rioters. Like there's been, right? It's the same thing. There's categories here, right? So when I, when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying for an hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and he said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers and remembered your gifts to the poor. Sinta Joppa, on planet wherever he was from, uh, for Simon, who's called Peter. And uh, he is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner. I don't know why that's important, but it's in there. Um, who lives by this sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now that you're here in the presence of God for all to listen, tell us, command us, what is it? What do we need to know? And then Peter began to speak. I now realize it is true. This is confirmation. Oh, this, this is real. Like, I didn't just step out in faith. It's really real that you people are people to Peter because they weren't people before. They were Gentiles. It's a very different thing. But now I realize it is true that God has not shown favoritism, but accepts every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. You know, the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. All right. Here's why this passage is super duper important for us. Had this experience not happened, not only would Christianity not really have gone anywhere, it would have probably died out because he would have been one small little Messiah that, in a line of Messiahs that had existed. But when you finally let the floodgates of salvation out to other people, not only do they become people in your book, not only do they matter in your book, but they're also worthy of the same God that you share. And so often we like to keep our God to ourselves, right? This gives us a chance to share called evangelism, but we get an opportunity to finally invite other people into this thing that gives us so much meaning and value, okay? Now, um, the other thing that it doesn't really say, but is true, is that there's so many generational attitudes that were starting to be broken here. We can pass a law, right, that now all of a sudden this is legal or that's illegal or whatever, but it doesn't change the human heart, does it? Right? We've got this thing that happens all the time where now this is the new norm, but if it's not in here, people are still going to be just as whatever-ism there is. 
right? But if it starts in here, we can change throughout the generations people's understanding, awareness, and heart towards an issue, all right? This was the start of being able to have non-Jews inside of Jewish religious communities, which was crazy. All right, here we go. So what can open a heart? And this might blow your mind a little bit. Love and belonging. Did you know that people who feel loved, this is from Brene Brown, by the way, if anybody's read her, it's phenomenal. Um, people who feel loved and um, capable of being loved have a far better chance of being resilient from um, stresses, uh, things that are like put, put downs, like when you have struggle in your life, if you had great parental relationships, things like that, you have much more resiliency, right? So the ability to feel love and be worthy of love. Now, if you're in a faith community like, like this church, the very fact that Jesus came and died and you received that gives you imparted the love that you may or may not have from when you were eight, okay? That in and of itself is all we really need. But there's a lot of times where we still don't feel it, right? Um, sometimes we need to be broken. We need a sense of, um, I have nothing left before we look up, okay? I once had a job at a church um, that gave me tons of meaning and value but the meaning and value was in a position. It was in how I provided for other people. And in some ways I forgot who the God was in the middle of the whole thing, right? You can work at a church and do that. I don't know if you know that, but like you can totally work, do the thing and not do it inside. When I lost that thing, I went into like a four year, um, it wasn't a funk, it was a deep dive into who am I really? Am I really loved for what I do for him? Or am I loved just because he loves me? That deep sense of brokenness. I literally would walk around the house uh, it was so weird because my kids were much younger than they weren't at home. Um, but I would literally walk around the house and I'm like, I am so broken, so broken because my identity was in so many other things than where it should have been. It wasn't grounded. And um, don't wait for brokenness to open your heart because it really sucks. Uh, humility. Humility is kind of a fun thing, right? Uh, we love it when other people are humble, but it's kind of hard for us sometimes. And then compassion. This is funny. Uh, compassion because you need to be aware that one day what happens to other people might just happen to you. Ain't that the truth? Uh, all right, here we go. So I know you're all riveted. I can actually see it through the light. I could totally see it. Um, so here we're gonna do. Um, how do you start being open? You're like, yeah, there's plenty of people I hate. You know, they're really bad people in the world. Like, they're terrible. So like, how do I have an open heart towards them? And even should I? Should I even bother, right? Well, let's just say you wanted to go down that road for a second. What does it mean to be open? And take that step for it. Ready? Here it is. Um, have you ever heard the phrase whitewash tomb? Anybody ever heard that before? Whitewash tomb and clean out the cup from the inside? Cool, I love this. This is great, thank you. Um, there's a passage in the Bible, which I thought everybody already know it, so I didn't put it up there, but it's basically Jesus reaming religious leaders, kind of like what I was, where it's like, you guys pretend like it's all cool on the outside, but you suck on the inside. You're full of envy, you're full of hate, you're full of like all these really terrible things, and you are like a whitewash tomb. A whitewash tomb is a bunch of rotting bodies inside, but you look really good on the outside. So that's what Jesus is referencing, right? And then in another passage, he says, you should clean up, clean the inside of the cup. Because when you have communion, right? You clean the outside because all that nasty spit. You gotta clean the inside of the cup because what's in there is what matters, right? What's in the thing matters. Otherwise, right, you're gonna drink who knows what. Oh, wait, we had a boil water notice. Anybody get that Tampa joke there, okay? <laughs> you gotta clean out the inside of the cup. So. Here's your first step and the most important thing I'm gonna probably say today. It all starts in here. When we try and change the out there first, it always goes wrong. When we start in here first, it doesn't always go right, but 100% of the time, it pretty much works out. Always start inside. All right, let's get it. We're gonna dive into that just a little bit more. Uh, one little second here. All right, 
Um, during 2020, uh, when I had the blame and shame and pointing thing, during the election it felt that way, I probably didn't put it out on Facebook very much because I, I didn't want to pick any sides necessarily, but you could really be like, man, that guy's such a whatever, fill it in the blank, right? Or during COVID, ah, Jane Castor, I love her, but sometimes I'm like, well, then come on, why are you beside? You know, I was so upset in the early stages. She, she taped off all my freaking swings. My morning rituals on the stupid swings, I sit there, watch the sunrise, and she's got tape on them. Freaking Jane, like she went out and put the tape on there. I'm so pissed. But at the end of the day, I had to go, okay, what in me is really angry about this? And I had to look inside and go, oh, you know what? The issue here is I hate being controlled. I hate subjecting to authority. That's what's in me. Okay, fine. I changed my walk. I now went to the river walk and I have three far better bathrooms than what's at the um, Bowers Point Pier. So. It's a win, but at the end of the day, the question that helped me the most was saying, what about this experience is in me? And I was an anti-masker in the beginning. I was like, come on, really? This is social control. And after a while, I'm like, you know, this is kind of dumb. Why in the world would we not? Like, I had to have like the ability and the space to change my mind. And it was hard to do that because everybody I had surrounded myself with on social media, because we were all alone, all said, oh, this is the society's control of you. And then I didn't process it, but I had to say, wait, what inside of me is fighting this thing, right? And you could put any topic in there and that'll fit for you. Um, okay, so uh, the key is uh, not to change the outside in, which we talked about before. And then, um, this is a good one. You should take a note. Open-hearted comes, open-hearted comes from the well-being inside that is not dependent on external validation. How often, and, there, and you could pick your own poison here. How often do we post a thing, buy a thing, wear a thing, because we're looking for that outside validation, right? Today, I chose this coat because it hides my COVID belly, right? <laughs> we all have that thing that we do. Maybe some of us more than others, but so often we look to the outside. I'm doing good. Everybody see me doing good? We do that all the time. And I think probably Instagram is the most famous example because there's nothing of content there. It's just, look at me and this. Like, I don't get it. There's nothing else in the shot other than here and here, but this foot is always out. Have you ever noticed this? Just watch it. Point is, is that when we look to the outside um, validation, what happens when that goes away? What happens when you get fat? Right? What happens when you're no longer the pretty girl in the room? What happens when you're no longer the, the smartest one in your company? You're not the best grammar Nazi or whatever it is that you build your value on that comes from the outside. What do you have left when they take that away? Next, open-hearted. <laughs> this one releases judgmental expectations. This is hard. You know what? I believe racism's wrong, clearly. But you should believe like me because racism's wrong. That's a judgmental expectation of my end that that's how those people should believe. Think about it. That's, that, it's gonna sit there for a second. That's a hard one to swallow. That's my belief. I believe we should change the laws and make everything fair. And equal. I, I get all that. But at the end of the day, when we start taking our uh, view of the world and we try and place it on somebody else, when we get it on them and they take it, we feel good about ourselves. We put it on them and they don't take it. We don't feel good about ourselves. We get angry. So wait a second. It's all in here first. Are you good in your heart first? 
Because if not, you're going to still value yourself based on how they react to you. I'm glad that there's not 400 people here and just 200, right? Because it removes the expectation of, hey, did they really like it? It's okay. I don't have to go for that approval, right? We all find this sense of external approval. But wait, is this what's been worked in my heart and am I already happy with this? Hell yeah, heck yeah, right? <laughs> like, like to me, this is what this is, right? It's not an arc. There's not a great storyline to it, but this is the deep work that works in me and I'm okay with this no matter how it, how it goes, right? Okay. Next, uh, oh, gosh, I'm sorry, guys. We might be like way over, but this story is too sexy to not share, sorry. All right, so I had a friend that, that proudly was a, like really anti-abortion, and she was saying basically, you could go through a Starbucks and get one these days, and they were like, she was just really on it. And I said, um, I didn't say darling, but I wanna say it in this audience. I said, darling, um, you ever known anybody who's gotten an abortion? No. Okay. And then, what ensued after it was just a really good realization that for her, her expectations of the world to be noble and right meant you must believe anti whatever her view was. And I think the topic was that there was a child with a disability that might um, not make it and the mother was debating about whether or not to terminate the pregnancy. I don't know if you've ever been there or ever known somebody, but that's one of the hardest things you're ever gonna have. And some person who just has an unthought through opinion is not helpful when they throw their judgmental expectations on you. It's unkind, it's, un, it's unchristian because of the unloving side of, sorry, I was spit, you see that? Um, but like, it, it's got that thing of judgment that, that we're trying to put on there that somebody who's already struggling deeply with a very critical issue that they're gonna live with the rest of their lives. And here you throwing out this little thing, it helped her feel no, more noble. It helped her feel more Christian, right? And sometimes if, we're, if I'm not careful, I can do that same thing about a whole different topic that I feel really passionate about. And so we need to allow that room for grace to go, all right, this is my faith, this is my belief. She really felt like everybody else needed to have that same exact belief, but she hadn't really thought it through. When you further own what you believe because you've really worked it through with other people, it's deep. It doesn't, it doesn't um, waffle in the wind. All right. Um, this is the other thing. This is like a good spouse thing if you're into relationships and stuff. Um, open-hearted is not outcome-dependent. Oh, I'll love you better if you do this. Woo That's fire right there. But it'll save a marriage too. One spouse serving... And I say serving, so don't use that word a bad way. But like one, one spouse loving, caring, even when the other spouse doesn't, can win over the other spouse. Just ask my wife. She's kept me around for a long time. I'm kidding. Um, that's a really big deal. A lot of times we're, we'll, we will set up standards in our relationships that if I get this, then I'll do that. And that's, unfortunately, it's, a, it's always a non-starter. It's a, it's a bad place. All right, cool. I felt like I missed you guys on one awesome note because we're, we're about to land this plane. Gosh, it was some really cool, sexy one-liner in here for you guys. I'm sorry. Okay, here it is. So here's the deal. Um, is there something in your life that if, if somebody knew what was in your mind right now, that one thing that you're like, gosh, I should probably open myself up to talking about or working through this, that when I even talk about it, your heart goes up a little bit. Like, ooh, I don't want to talk about that. When I showed the little animals and the kitties and the horrible pictures, there's like a part of you that, that could relate to how ooh, that was. So, like, is there a thing that you know that maybe you need to walk through or, or consider or, like, open up? Um, that's my question, is do you have a red phone conversation for your own life that you need um, to address? And that's just the feeling. I didn't say you had to do anything yet. Just that feeling where you're like, ooh, mm, there's something in there. That's deep. I need to work on that, right? So 
here's, the, here's your final walkout, is um, what about your spiritual journey is being held back because you're too comfortable hiding in your insecurity? So, I'll leave you with that. Thank you guys um, for having two more amazing songs to ponder. We'll come up and pray at the end. Thanks.